Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 275, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light, Cedric Golden here, with the duck, Kirk Balls, and duck, two marquee matchups for our area of the country this weekend, Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M at Alabama. We're going to have TexAgs.com columnist Olin Buchanan on a little later, but first, Let's go to let's let's go to the the top of the pecking order. Jenny Carlson, award-winning columnist at the Oklahoman. She's been doing it for a minute, and we had to get her on to talk about whoever stole those masqueraders in Fort Worth and hid the Oklahoma Sooners. What's up, Jen? Uh, it's the body snatchers. The aliens have landed and uh, taken over the guys in the crimson and cream. It is. It is befuddling what we've seen the last two weeks. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But, yeah, it's uh, it's not the OU team that a lot of us expected to go into this Red River rivalry. So the fan base, are they numb? Are they in shock? Are they angry, livid? What's their mood, JC? Probably a little bit of all of that. Going through some uh, stages of grief, I think, right now, as they realize this was not or this is not the team that, a lot of people thought it could be. Now, you know, losing to K-State, I don't think that's a crime. No. Uh, losing, to, losing to TCU is not a crime either. It's the way that mm-hmm. Oklahoma lost both of those games. And frankly, you know, after a really, really porous defensive uh, game against K-State, I think the expectation was Sooners go to TCU and improve, look yeah. better defensively. Instead, they looked worse. So to me, that's cause for alarm. I mean, if that 55-24, if you put it in a vacuum, it'd still be cause for alarm. But the fact that they did that a week after really not playing well against K-State and Adrian Martinez, you know, to me, that's a real, real warning light flashing for the Sooners right now. You got Marvin Mims fumbling. You got Max Duggan running downfield like he's Vince Young. Uh, Receivers running unchecked through the secondary. A guy named Gunner scoring on you i mean it it it, it was it wasn't what i uh, ever thought i'd see kirk and i were at a game where where texas gave up the ghost to tcu under charlie strong remember that 50 to 7 game kirk it was very yeah, 28 simple. nothing first quarter remember? it was 28 nothing and 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 i still hadn't opened my laptop i mean that's how that's how fast that was if that had been a boxing match they would have been a first round knockout um Got to ask you about the quarterback, uh, Dylan Gabriel. I'm sorry, Jamoy Hodge. That was a dirty hit. That was dirty. He went, with, he went in with his forearm, yeah, to sliding quarterback. And concussions are are a big, big hot button topic right now with Tua and 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 other guys. Um, what's the latest on Dylan? I know Jeff Levy was a little cryptic the other day. What's the latest on him? Will he be playing or will it be the battle of backups if Hudson Card starts? It could potentially be a battle of the backups. Nothing yet definitive. Brent Venables and his availability um, after Jeff Levy also said he didn't have updates and, you know, just not not sure. And frankly, that's not a surprise. I mean, if he would have put a status on Dylan Gabriel on Tuesday, you're still only 72 hours since he suffered that injury. And my thinking is, is they probably don't have a clear idea of his availability. Um, I have to think that after he looked to have gotten completely knocked out on the hit, uh, you know, I don't to me that signals that it was you know, not just slight or minor, you know, I I know people who deal with concussions oftentimes bristle at the idea of, 
you know, putting a severity on a concussion. But I think when you have a guy that looks to have gotten knocked out, the likelihood that by 72 hours in, you would have a clear idea of where he is. I just don't know if that's even possible or likely. So even if Brent Venables had put some sort of status report, you know, questionable, questionable is probably it because it's really an open question right now. So the likelihood that he plays seems low. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then the question becomes, what does Oklahoma do? Um, We knew that they were thin at, at, you know, quarterback behind Dylan Gabriel. Um, They brought in Davis Bevel, who was at Pitt last year. He did actually play in their bowl game after Kenny Pickett opted out for the NFL. And then the backup to Pickett got hurt. Then Bevel came in and actually played pretty well in that bowl game. Um, So he's the guy with the most experience. They've got true freshman Nick Evers behind him and also the junior college transfer with the best name in all of college football, General (laughs) Booty. Um, But my suspicion is that they're likely going to have to decide between Bevel and Evers just because Evers looks like he was very, very much a freshman in the spring game, which is really the only other time we've seen him in a college uniform besides standing on the sidelines. Um, but he's mobile. And I think that, you know, you don't need a quarterback that's going to run for 150 yards, although, you know, nobody in Oklahoma would probably turn that down right now. But Duggan will. <laughs> yeah. But they, they need a guy that can that can get out and move a little bit. And and Davis Bevel. Uh, a bevel day, sorry, Davis Bevel. Good grief, my my uh, my brain this week on OU Texas. Uh, it, he does not look mobile, and I don't know if that's because he was put into a situation unexpectedly a week ago and just wasn't ready to face it and give him a week of practice, and maybe he feels more comfortable to you know get out of the pocket occasionally, but just really struggle in that regard at TCU. So. I don't know. I think Oklahoma's got a real challenge there to figure out what they're going to do in a pretty short amount of time with not great options at that backup spot. And like you said, Bevel came on off the bench uh, to help Pitt win a bowl game, but he's never started a college game. And neither is Nick Evers, you know, as uh, I guess, I don't think, I think he was a five-star guy committed to Florida. Uh, Maybe tried to get him to Ole Miss before Jeff came to Norman. So, uh, you know, high pedigree, high ceiling, but boy, it's a, Tough place to make your first start. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing that I think when it comes to Evers, you know, maybe they can use him in some limited situations, some specialty Mm -hmm. packages. Um, You know, that seems like maybe that's more likely. Um, I think as much as anything, while he might give you the best chance to win on Saturday, there's a real question if he goes out there and struggles, which a true freshman in OU Texas making his first start, you got to think he's going to struggle. Yeah. If he struggles, does that scar him for a long time to come? You know, does that hamper him physically, mentally, especially if he really struggles in that situation? And if he's a guy that you expect to be, you know, a quarterback of the future type of guy, mm-hmm. do you want to put him through that? I mean, I think that's a real question mark right now for how Oklahoma wants to manage, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe he would potentially give you the best chance on Saturday, but mm-hmm. if things go really sideways, I mean, how far does that set him back? I think that's a huge question Oklahoma's going to have to grapple with. Yeah. Hey, Texas yeah. used to know you quarterback coming off the bench and, and giving them fits all too recently. Pull a Caleb Williams, never heard of him. And then boom, he's a legend. Yeah. yeah. Legend. And, then he, and then he's a Trojan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's wow. gone. Then he takes yeah. a bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think about, you know, yeah. the the fact that um I think the, the one thing that's interesting to me is just what this rivalry has looked like over the last decade plus. You know, there's been times where the teams have come in seemingly mismatched, maybe down, one's up, one's down, both are kind of okay. You know, we've had all sorts of different scenarios playing out coming into this game, but in the last decade or so. The consistent thing is great competitive games. Now, they may not be well played in every aspect of the game. They're close. But they're close. And, you know, two years ago, it was four overtimes. Last year, it was the comeback and then the comeback by Texas. And then, the you know, the almost purely a walk-off touchdown to win the game for Oklahoma. So, I mean, just classic, classic games. So, I'm sure, as you know, a lot of people in Oklahoma are thinking, Ugh, this is going to be, this could be ugly. And I'm sure there's some people in Texas that are like, let's make this ugly. Um, <laughs> but 
the history recently in this series has <clears throat> been close, tight ball games. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. You know, um, I, I tuned in uh, on one of the local stations feed and the pomp and circumstance surrounding Brent Venables returning home to his to his greatest triumphs early in his career. Um, it was a celebration. It was a party. And and it was a feel good moment because we've all Kirk and I, we've we've interviewed Brent over the years. Uh, really enjoy Brent. What's the temperature after these last two weeks? And uh, arguably the best defensive coordinator in the history of the program comes back. And I haven't seen a defense in two weeks. What's the temperature with the locals? I know they love him. But I know they once loved Je- um, they must once loved Scott Frost in Nebraska. So uh, Paul Chris is from Madison, Wisconsin, and we saw what happened to him. What's the temperature in Norman right now? Yeah, you know, you've definitely got some people that are already on the let him go, fire him. I mean, oh, you know, wow. you're always going to have. You're always going to have that faction when when a when a powerhouse starts to show any signs of slipping. So they're they're out there. They're not very numerous. I don't think they know that, you know, no, no serious uh, minded uh, athletic department would let a coach go at this point. I mean, that's just not going to happen. But um, our buddy, mutually for all three of us, Barry Trammell uh, asked Brent yesterday during his press conference about, you know, you know, instituting his defense which he's run fantastically at Clemson for the last decade, but instituting that defense at Oklahoma, regardless of the personnel that he, he had under his uh, on his roster, when he arrived, the question of, you know, basically do you have the guys? And when you walk through the door, did you know you did or you didn't? And did you just decide to go ahead and implement your defense anyway? Um, Because yeah, if you're trying to run Clemson's defense with no players close to what Clemson has, what's the likelihood of that working? Kind of tailoring to personnel. And Barry asked it, is it kind of like having to rip off the Band-Aid? And Brent knocked that down. He said, I don't see it as, not, as ripping off the Band-Aid. This is the system that he basically said, this is the system we're going to run. We have to institute the system. We have to get it. Um, we're going to be a multiple defense. This is what we're going to do every year. That changes to some degree based on personnel. You know, if your defensive line's better, your linebackers are better, whatever the situation is, but pretty clearly just the way that you can see the way that Oklahoma is substituting or not substituting as it were right now with its starters. I mean, they really don't have like at linebacker, they really don't have you know, past about three guys that it looks like they feel comfortable playing. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people in the fan base are crowing for certain guys, younger guys, Shane Witter, uh, Jaron Kanak, who uh, Kanak played substantial time at Nebraska after Deshaun White got knocked out by a, um, uh, a targeting call. But he's a freshman. He's a true freshman who played quarterback in high school. I mean, he did play some defense because he went to a, a smaller school in Kansas. Um, I think Hayes is where he's from. Um, but, you know, wasn't wasn't a high level defensive guy in high school. So they're having to teach him the position. And basically, I mean, those guys got in there at some point last week against TCU, but it wasn't even, in, you know, as early as you might have thought, considering the scoreboard. So pretty clearly the, the depth of talent that Oklahoma has is nowhere near what Clemson had or probably still has, frankly. So it's it's definitely going to be tough for anybody to run a system that requires, you know, linebackers to do certain things, defensive ends to do certain things, safeties to do certain things. If those guys, you know, they haven't really done it before. Now I will say this, and Oklahoma fans don't want to hear this, and I haven't written it yet because they're kind of down and out right now. So I'm trying to give them a little bit of a break. But if you'll remember five years ago, Jim Knowles showed up at OSU at Oklahoma State, brought in this defense, and OSU struggled. I mean, they they he wanted to run his system. Uh, Mike Gundy brought him in to run his system. He instituted his, his system, and then he had to figure out what the guys that were there could actually do. And it took a while. They stunk for a while. But after a while, he started to get the guys that were there. He taught them what to do. They learned what to do. Then they brought in more guys who could do what he wanted to do. And for the last two plus years, they they ran roughshod around the Big 12 with a great defense. 
So, you know, it took Jim Knowles time Mm -hmm. and I think it's going to take Brent Venables some time to get the defense taught and those guys in place to really make it go. And this is just, I mean, it, it looks ugly. I don't, there's no two ways around it, you know, but that's, that's what Brent Venables said yesterday. We had to institute the system. We have to do what we're going to do. And, you know, it's just, it may not always look good here in the early going. The expectations at Stillwater are different. Um, they they don't play the patient game in Norman. They win in Norman. And yeah. um, so, sometimes you wonder if a, if a coach is so stubborn that it's my system or bust, or do you or do you base do you meld it to what the skill set is until you get the Venables guys? I I just I'm sorry, I was just dumbfounded watching you know, you know how you're watching sometimes you're watching a game and you see a long play for a touchdown and then you look up five minutes later and you see another guy you think it's a replay they're showing a replay but then you notice that the clock is still ticking it's a live play that's how that tcu game felt to me i, I kept seeing guys running open for touchdowns and i was like that just happened five minutes ago yeah i mean yeah. It's like it six was, plays, six plays over 300 yards by TCU. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, it and it was it was a it, it was a meltdown on on a lot of levels. I mean, you had everything from you know uh, the point of attack on that Max Dugan long run, which was not really a complicated play. They just all got sucked to the side, and then he ran yeah. down the sideline, and nobody touched him. Wouldn't you know? Be? So no, I like to ask you too is. As far as the talent level, Jenny, it's like, did, and I know OU fans are just tickled pink and happy for Lincoln Riley having great success at USC. They just, I'm sure they're, you know, have Trojan flags in their yards and stuff. Do you think you're a rabble rouser? That's all you are, Kirk Balls. You're a rabble rouser. In any way, do you think Lincoln left Norman for USC because the talent level was slipping at all? Or was it mostly? escape the SEC possibilities and get into California talent at a beach house. I think that it might be a factor. I don't think it was the only reason the talent slipping, but I mean, I think that it's, it's part of the equation, but he was, he was the head coach for long enough. That was his job. Oh yeah. (laughs) So the talent slipping is, is, is on him. I mean, and on his coaches. So, but I mean, I think it's, you know, you look at whether it's, all conference teams or, or NFL selection uh, draft picks. I mean, you can look at all sorts of different metrics when the preseason all big 12 team came out, Oklahoma had one player on the all big 12 team first team and it's their punter. And he's really good, but (laughs) people from Oklahoma were, there was a lot of fans that were like, what the heck one player, this is wrong. But then you start to say, okay, so where, where, where are you going to put who, who are you going to replace? Um, you know, yeah. Mar- Marvin Mins is probably the best player on this team. Yes. But you look at the wide receivers in the league, and could you safely put Marvin on over any of the guys that were first team all Big 12? And that's the offense. Obviously, if Lincoln Riley stays, Caleb Williams is here. Mario Williams is here. You know, oh. they've got some different pieces that potentially those guys might make a first team all conference in the preseason. But it wasn't like they – I mean – would Caleb Williams have been first team all conference over Spencer Sanders in the preseason? Probably not. So, you know, I mean, I don't know if it would have changed a ton. Um, so they lose, obviously they lose the guys to, to USC. They lose five guys, even though they had a defense last year, that was okay. okay. I mean, sure. they weren't great. They were okay. They lose five guys to the NFL draft. I mean, um, that's, that's not nothing. And, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those guys were on the defensive line. So, um, you know, they thought that defensive line would continue to be a strength. Instead, they've gotten pushed around pretty good the last two weeks. Um, so, you know, it's just, yeah, I think that, I think the talent slipping probably was maybe a part of it for Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley leaving. Um, but I, I don't think it was all of it. SEC. Lincoln didn't want to coach. Any. <laughs> well, especially with the, Especially with the, 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 I mean, with the playoff expanding, um, which I think all of us expected was going to happen, even though it got shot down, uh, you know, whatever point this last year, you know, and then you start to think if USC, and I know now they're they're out of the Pac-12, but at the time you think, well, if they, if they win the Pac-12, easy peasy, you know, most years, if they can get it going or finish second in an expanded playoff, 
Yeah, there is. I would love USC to be in there. Right. You know, now, right. now the Big Ten, it's a different story. I don't know what the what the feeling is about that in terms of uh, USC competing and that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely they. There was starting to be some some downturn of talent at Oklahoma over the last few years. It wasn't just this year, I don't think. Yeah, I'm sure OU fans thought that was karma for Lincoln to now be in the Big Ten coming up. So. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. They're they're I definitely. I would have been Big Ten in SEC. Oh wow. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I would I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, and it's because you can look around the Big Ten. I was I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know whose schedule I was looking at the other day, but somebody had Rutgers on the schedule or something. And I was like, there's like two or three layups in the big 10 every year, you know, you know there's Rutgers just in the big 12. This is a darn good league this year. Isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. The really sexy. sexy. It's not, there, there's not going to be a CFP team. There's not going to be a CFP qualifier. I don't think out of this league yeah. because they're going to the everybody, the maybe the Cowboys, but everybody's going to have at least one, maybe two losses. Yeah. I think this our sports editor termed it this way. It's a bunch of Music City Bowl teams, and I don't know if they're that bad. Oh, God, that's harsh. Uh, but it's not a great team. There's, there's, I think they're all pretty decent. Too. West Virginia, I do too. We saw West right. Virginia. They're decent. They're not. Yeah. Crummy. No, you know, I think we every. All agree though that that Oklahoma State is probably going to win this league. I that's who I'm picking right now. I think so. I mean, the thing about Oklahoma State, I know that we're not talking about Oklahoma State uh, in context of OU Texas, but the thing about Oklahoma State, they've got an offense that looks really capable of doing running, passing, whatever. They can do all of that. Looks really good. And their defense, while it left something to be desired early, it was because they were really inexperienced in a lot of positions. And as they get experience, I think we're starting to see that gradual improvement. That's where with Oklahoma – I don't know if you can I don't know if you can see that gradual improvement because they've got a lot of guys out there playing who are veterans. I mean, look at their linebackers and they have this hybrid cheetah position is what they call it. Deshaun White playing it. um, Justin Harrington playing it some when he's not playing safety, kind of a mix uh, between linebacker and safety. But those guys, David Aguebu, I mean, they've got guys that have played a lot of snaps and a lot of starts under their belt and they're still struggling to get um, get some things done out there. Justin Harrington doesn't fit in that in that uh, mold, but White does. Aguebu does, and they're just, they're not producing right now. So to have veteran guys that are really struggling, it makes, it makes it difficult to see like Oklahoma state having that improvement makes it difficult to see Oklahoma. Like where's the improvement come from? How do they go from what we saw last week against TCU to what they expect to be with this defense? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, Texas fans can't relate because Sark had, Instant success when he came here. So, wow, uh, wow, I know, I know. I'm rabble again. The rabble rouser is here. I'm only allowed to. Uh, so, how do you see this game, Jenny? How do you see the game unfolding? Well, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of history, uh, historical evidence that that this series has run in streaks. The team that wins the year before seems mm-hmm. to win for a while. So, you know, they have. <laughs> if, if you follow, yeah, if you follow that logic, you say, well, okay, I'm going to pick Oklahoma, but mm-hmm. I just, again, I just, I know, I know inherently it's not, it's not completely irreparable. I know that it's not impossible to see them going from the mess we saw a week ago to winning some ball games because of what we were just talking about in the big 12, every team, is beatable, but every team is also, you know, can beat you. So right. the question becomes, you know, can they turn that corner? But I mean, I just got to think Texas is sitting there seeing what they're seeing, what everybody else is seeing, thinking, let's destroy these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's go out and let's score as many points <laughs> as we can against these guys. So I, I have I have Texas winning, I think, 31-13, and that may be on the low side of, of you know how many points will be scored in this one. But I just I think I think Texas is more than capable of scoring against Oklahoma's defense. And with Oklahoma's questions on offense, 
you know, I, I do think their offensive line has actually been a bright spot. They've been pretty good, uh, better than we expected because they've been sort of meh the last couple of years on the offensive line. But they've actually played pretty well um, for, through the first five games. Um, their running game is not terrible because of that. They've gotten some production. I just don't know if Texas knows that the quarterback isn't going to throw it very much, whoever it may be. Right. Aren't they just going to tee off on that run game? I just I can't imagine that it's not it's going to be really hard for Oklahoma to run the ball as much as I think they'll need to run the ball on Saturday. So I got Texas winning by three scores. Yeah. Well, West Virginia was averaging, what was it said? 217 yards rushing and they had a lot of, a lot of problems. I don't know if they made 70 yards, but uh, yeah, I could see that. Couldn't you said? Yeah, I could. And I'll say this. I always expect the unexpected in this game and I do think Texas will win, but I won't be shocked if, if it's a, if it's closer than that. That's the Longhorns just haven't been good away from home. They just haven't been. If they don't win this time, when is Sark going to beat them? I mean, they've lost Never. four in a row and six and seven. Never. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, that's what Texas fans are wondering. So, yeah. Hey, we yeah. appreciate it. Always a pleasure. You will be there this weekend, or are you going to Oklahoma State game? I've got I've got the high-riding Cowboys on nice. Saturday, so I'll be in Stillwater. But I'll see you guys here in a few weeks when, uh, when OSU and Texas play. I will awesome. be there for that. Always awesome. a pleasure. We'll, we'll, we'll see you soon, Jen. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye, Jenny. Thank you. Bye. On Second Thought. Doug, always good to chop it up with Jenny Carlson. Um, That's one big game in the dirty south. The other is the Texas A&M Aggies going to Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. 7 o'clock kickoff against those very angry Alabama Crimson Tide. I wish Olin Buchanan from Texas joining us. I really wish, OB, that, um, you know, we grew up watching big-time wrestling at the Sportatorium in Dallas. This has the feel of a Texas death match or an I quit match. Jimbo and Nick Saban, this is the only game in the country where the coaches are taking center stage instead of the teams. They coach. Yeah, I don't even know if the coaches are anymore. They've been very adamant about how much they've – you know, got water under the bridge, and they've mended fences. Um, I don't see this as a Texas death match based on what I have viewed so far. I'm thinking more of a – I mean, things can always change, but based on what I've seen, I'm thinking more – remember when you were a kid and uh, your mom said, wait till your dad gets home because you did something wrong? Oh, I kind of yeah. feel like as we get closer to Saturday, it's closer to dad getting home. So Nick uh, and Daddy, huh? In this case, <laughs> wow. it, it appears that way. I mean, what have we seen that would that would indicate that A and M is not due uh, for a spanking? I mean, not much. Uh, <laughs> not one, of, not one of those timeouts that they do nowadays, but one of those like nineteen 19- no, old fashioned, old fashioned we'll check kind of things. Now, right. now we'll say this: we all know that anything you know, crazy things happen on Saturdays, and is pretty much the same situation last year when AM came in and uh and pulled you know, I mean Alabama came in and pulled off an upset. But one of the big the big differences is that um last year AM had a pass rush. And they uh they really harassed Bryce Young. And um I think that was a significant factor. They had four sacks in that game last year. Well, they've got five sacks all this year. Wow. And, 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 you know, last week it was as if, uh, you know, DJ Durkin was just just conceding that they weren't going to get to the quarterback. He rushed three, put three uh, linemen on, on five offensive linemen, and I, I guess you would expect that you're not going to get there. Uh, on occasion they brought somebody, they brought a linebacker or safety, but, but rarely, especially not after the uh, early in the first – or the second quarter, and um, Will Rogers just sat back there. Sometimes I can't. One time I counted eight seconds. I, I might have been fast. Wow! And, but you know, you give a guy that much time. I don't care how good your secondary is. Mm-hmm. Can't cover uh, that long. Not going to cover that long. So I, I don't know why. Ob, if you give him five seconds, that's too yeah. Long. Oh, that was routine. So I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. Uh, I guess it worked for him at Miss Ole Miss last year when he had Sam Williams rushing. 
uh, but it didn't work. Now, a, beyond that, A&M has been very inconsistent, and I think that's being kind, at stopping the run. So I'm not getting a pass rush. I'm not stopping the run uh, consistently. So why, what would make me think that they're going to go in there and, uh, and and play good defense against Alabama? Uh, so you're uh, saying it's not a not a death match. Are you saying the Aggie season has already died? Oh, I don't think it's died. I mean, I, I could see them because the second half of the season uh, appears much less challenging than the first half. You know, I could see them in a best-case scenario still going nine and three. Now, that's a best-case scenario. I would think that there's probably yet another eight and four waiting for them. Um, I've not seen anything that would make me say, okay, they're absolutely going to beat Ole Miss because Ole Miss can score. And A&M, we keep hearing Jimbo Fisher every week saying, hey, we're so close to breaking out offensively. We just got to execute a little bit better. The plays are there. And they had some opportunities last week. Devon A. Chain was running really well, fumbled at the four-yard line. Uh, Evan Stewart dropped a touchdown pass. Um, You had a field goal opportunity where you shouldn't have had to uh it was a disappointing that you had to settle for a field goal because you just got a turnover but uh then you had that block to return for a touchdown the other way so there was a easily that you could say they left 17 points on the board or off the board and maybe some others but the fact is you're at mid-season and you're still saying well we're we're getting there we're mm-hmm. getting there well at what point do you go from uh, where we have the potential to do this to say, you know, we're just a team that doesn't. Uh, I think you guys with the team you covered could probably look at last year and say, this is go five and seven last mm-hmm. year yes. and say there was probably several games that they were that close to winning it. Well, nearly every double game. digits in, in, in five of those games and nearly every game. But that's the difference between this and the Aggie team. I mean, Mississippi State blew them out. Arkansas should have beat them. I don't know if they get to eight wins, OB, because you got Ole Miss in the top twenty-five. Florida's right around there now. LSU's in the in the top twenty-five. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you take any win for granted for this team, with the exception of Massachusetts. But I still like them against Auburn. I like them against South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Florida is a little bit – if you really look at Florida, it's a little bit maybe misleading. Um, uh, LSU will be a game on paper. I still like A&M. That's a really crazy thing. I think that A&M's talent is better than its scheme. And I think uh, that uh, – I think – I've heard this criticism of Jimbo Fisher before, and now I'm starting to believe it, is that um, – his offense requires everybody to be almost perfect on every play. Oh my Whereas, goodness. why don't you come hard. up with it? It's difficult. I, Man, yeah, I think they need a more, and, and that appears to be the case because he'll say, he'll tell you, we had it all, all this, but it's one guy. It's not always the same guy, but it's always one guy, one guy. Well, maybe you need to come up with an, uh, some kind of scheme that's a little more forgiving. Or get rid of that one guy that keeps it's, up. it's always something, something different. No, but, I know. But I watch other teams, and you can see guys, you know, running open. And it's a shame because now, you know, they did lose a nice Smith, and that's a, that was the second best player on their offense. Yeah, it's a shame because you've got a guy like uh, Devon A. Chain who, who's playing, doing all he can do. He's terrific. He's made and himself he some money great. this year. He's going to be an NFL guy. No, for sure. I mean, he's uh, one of those guys that, that that's going to be very dangerous on the next level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to be Tyree Kill. I think he's that, that kind of guy. You know, they'll probably move him to receiver because not yeah. the biggest guy, but he has, you know, insane speed and uh, he cares. He has a big, you know, give a darn factor. Yeah. Uh, he gives you everything he's got on every play. But there have been times I've seen him get thrown for loss in the backfield because everybody's there before he even – I mean, he's got the ball and, and, and he's surrounded because your defensive opponents know that he's all you got too. Mm-hmm. And I don't right. think A&M as coaches are doing enough to try to uh, use him as a decoy on certain p- things or, you know, just get creative. Uh, now, Moose Muhammad came out last week, finally got a chance to play. He had a bad game against 
Arkansas on his first real start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he came back and, and played really well against uh, against Mississippi State. So maybe that's something they can look for. But, again, um, <clears throat> I was just looking this up earlier. Since their 2020 season, when they had four senior offensive linemen and a senior quarterback running that offense that's supposedly really complicated, since then, A&M has scored 24 points or less uh, in 10 of 17 games. That's brutal. That and is some brutal. of those, you know, some of those, the defense scored. But they've scored 24 points or less uh, in in uh, 10 of 17. Uh, what did I say? 10 of 17 10 games. Of the 17 the seven, games. Now they, the seven games, now they did get 41 against Alabama. Seven of those came on a Devon H. and kickoff return, but still – you're over 34 against New Mexico, 41 against Kent State, 31 against Sam Houston, 52 <laughs> against Prairie View. It's a trend. <laughs> um, uh, 44 so, so those, against um, South Carolina, 35 Missouri. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah, those those those, those numbers are worse when you when you you talk about those seven yes, yeah, not not you know non power five opponents that they rolled. I got to ask, Obi, uh, after the Appalachian State game, you. Um, you wrote a brilliant column on Texas. You were just real. You're like, um, we're too far along in the Fisher era for these kind of things to be happening, especially this season where there was talk of CFP, a great preseason ranking. And then you got guys like Paul Feinbaum. And we've been, we've all been on the Paul Feinbaum show. Um, really like chopping it up with him. He said the only difference between Jimbo Fisher and and just a regular Joe is Jameis Winston. He thinks he owes all of his success to that one magical year where Jameis won the Heisman and they captured a national title. What do you think about that, Ob? I, I don't think that's fair because they had a lot of ten win seasons, not champions, not 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 national championship seasons, but mm-hmm. they had a lot of ten win seasons mm-hmm. uh, before and after Jameis. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I remember one year they're playing Clemson and Jameis got in trouble for the what taking the crab legs. And they beat Clemson with Joe, with Sean McGuire. Yeah. So, so yeah. Look, um, I think uh, Feinbaum is is right in that he's saying that uh, maybe uh, Jimbo's re- reputation is is greater than the production. Even though I think that A and M should have been in the playoff two years ago. You see, that's where I keep going back. Maybe here's what I worry about. In fact, I'm writing this right now. Nice. Uh, and by the way, I think Paul Feinbaum is such a uh, closet. It's not even closet, is it? He's a, he's a he's an Alabama fan. There's no doubt. So, uh, you know, I, I would think that he, because of what happened in the offseason, he's looked for every reason possible to uh, be critical of Jimbo Fisher. And frankly, he's got a lot of reasons. They're, they're Aggies. It's easy, making it easy. They're Aggies that are – uh, compl- that are criticizing that, that previously was it to me, the Appalachian state game reminded me of, uh, 2005, uh, when A&M barely beat a bad Baylor team. And that day the fan base turned on Dennis Francione and never really came back. Now they could still come back to Jimbo Fisher. If he starts, you know, winning some games, but I think to do that, uh, he's going to have to, and it, and it may not necessarily be this year, but he's going to have to really think about his uh, uh, his offensive system and and maybe getting somebody else to call plays, maybe getting an offense coordinator to come in and 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 bring some new ideas. Maybe not necessarily overhaul it, but bring some new ideas. Um, you know, I, th- I think that that's something that'll be interesting to look at in the uh, in the offseason. I forgot the original point I was going on because I. I sidetracked yeah. myself to criticize Paul Feinbaum, but uh well, well his pride allowed huh? Well Jimbo's pride allow him to hire a play caller. That's a good question. You know, he was asked uh by uh Brent Zerman of the Houston Chronicle just uh about two weeks ago. He, he said, Could you hire an offensive coordinator? Could you under any circumstances could you see doing that? And he even said, And would your ego allow you to give up calling the plays? Mm-hmm. And I bet you love that question. Yeah, I mean, to put it out there like that, and and Jimbo actually said, "Yeah, yeah, we'll evaluate everything." Um, but cool. after the game, 
against Mississippi State, I asked him, has your your confidence in your system been shaken? Great question. And he said, no, it's not the system. We had plays out there to make. We just didn't execute. You know, was, again, the whole, we didn't execute. We didn't execute. Well, we're five – you're at midseason and you're not executing. So at what point do you wonder, is it they can't execute your system? Oh, I know where I was going with that. So two years ago, yeah, yeah, you're one of the better teams in the country. You were. Some people don't want to acknowledge them. They were. I mean, they went nine and one against an all SEC schedule. You didn't have those uh, those uh, uh, non conference games, the Padgett schedule, or anything like that. Only loss was to Alabama by the same score that Ohio State lost to them in the championship game. And when AM played them, they had the Dickerson kid at center and Jalen Waddle playing receiver. They didn't lay them. So all those things. But like I told you, that year you had four seniors in the offensive line. The one that wasn't a senior turned out to be a first-round draft choice, you know, Kenyon Green, and you had a senior quarterback. So you ask yourself, is it to the point where this offense, where you, this offense, I don't know how it runs, right? But I have to go whatever what we've heard. It's all complicated. Is it that it can only run at a championship level if you have a vast experience in the offensive line and vast experience? at quarterback like does it take two or three years to be able to run it at the at peak level well it's just just a shame jimbo doesn't recruit better i mean you (laughs) know if he could get some talent in there talent's better than the scheme (laughs) well and and there's yeah there's some relevance to that argument ob i I definitely agree with you you know they got a five-star in connor weigman there true freshman uh, probably not ready, obviously, but if Max Johnson has that thumb injury, keeps him out, and Haynes King, I don't know if his confidence is shattered. Do they look at Connor? Well, um, and that's something I'll be writing probably next week, but because uh, I wait Maybe Saturday. <laughs> well, that's what I have. But um, if they lose to Alabama, you're three and three. And what? You know, you're you're out of any kind of championship race. You know, mathematically, you're out. Okay, you can say that. You know, if you think they're out right now, okay. Why would you not consider bringing in the freshman for the South Carolina game? Because they have an open date, so you'd have two weeks to get him ready. Right. South Carolina's not a great team, so if you didn't want to just throw him to to the wolves to begin with, maybe you want to ease him into it in South Carolina. <laughs> might seem to be a good team uh, if you were going to play to bring him in. Maybe get him some snaps Saturday in the fourth quarter. Just mm. Well, depending on how the game's going, of course. Oh, that. <laughs> might be able to bring him some snaps in the second quarter. Oh, wait a minute. I just got an update. <laughs> Alabama just scored again. They're up 14 nothing already. So. I don't know. Y'all, like y'all they haven't know. even kicked off or we're down 14. Well, according to Vegas, A&M has a 24-and-a-half-point lead right now. Oh, wow. All I know is y'all are hating on the Gamecocks, dog. <laughs> I saw what they did to South Carolina State. Be careful. Uh, be, be they careful. owned them. They owned them. Be careful. They beat the brakes off the brothers from South Carolina. Mr. Rattler, man. Um, yeah, you know. What's the mood of the team, Olin? They, you know, we, we, I, I was talking to a guy the other day, and they, they seem to be surprisingly upbeat. And they're saying, you know – we're this close. It, you know, they're they're parroting the same thing Jimbo Fisher saying. Now what? Now here's the deal. Mayor, here's the deal. And this is what Aggies are hoping. What if? What if it's true? What if they really are that close? And what we're kind of dismissing uh, Jimbo is like, you know, uh, just deflecting criticism, right? By saying, oh, yeah, it's not the system, it's this, and we're just that close, and we've you just got to get it cleaned up. I'm just saying devil's advocate. What if that's the case, and they do put it together? Uh, Again, I love that year. question. I love, I love that question. I'm going to tell you, when you ask that question, it's a legitimate, it's a great, great journalistic question. But you know the, the, the image that came to my mind when you, when, when you brought that up, O.B., 
is the Aggies climbing that mountain. Uh, one rung. Uh, uh, and they're almost at the top, and they go, oh, I see it's at the top, and you look up, and there's Nick Saban looking down at you going. I'm going to stop your fingers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to crush your all ten of your fingers, and you're going to go. You're going to go falling back down that mountain, and and and, and that was the, but that was the case last year, and then they it really was it really was and but, but again, you're at home game. you're at home last yeah, year you were at home last year Jack Calzada played like John Elway had the greatest he played, he, he played the game. only really good game he played all year only and he really came, good. and he got hurt and he walked back on the field like Willis Reed it was legend it was a magical evening in College Station it really was. And I'm 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 gonna hazard a guess here. I don't think Nick Saban has forgotten about that night. Oh, I'm sure he hasn't. And I and I think if he gets a chance to run up the score, which he's not apt to do, he pulls off the dogs a lot. I I really think I don't care what they say to us. These coaches have the biggest egos of any people outside of Hollywood on the planet. And I really think if he gets a chance to roll Jimbo. By fifty, he'll do it. Yeah, I think I, you know, I would think that he. Here's my take on that: if he has the opportunity, I think he would look to score in the forties. He might go for fifty, but oh, then, yeah. okay, maybe. But here's why. Here's why I'm saying that. Then the the uh, the post game is hey. You know, did you run it up because you wanted to and all that? You know, did, did you want to run? And I don't know if, if a guy that is so calculated and everything he does wants to take that question and and end up having to defend himself about, oh, so you're pissed off and you're trying to run it up? Now, maybe he will. I would think I'm doing my uh, – uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Dave Chappelle. Line. I would think <laughs> <laughs> that, that he's uh, – more motivated to win a, a, a decisively just for recruiting purposes. Because, oh, absolutely. You know, it's, I don't think it's so much that I'm mad at Jimbo for what was said, because the fact of the matter is Saban started it. See, a lot of people don't forget that, you know, it's yeah. kind of like the yeah, Texas A&M cool. stopping the, the, uh, the series. They forget that it was Texas that ended the series and then they changed the narrative. Saban started that, and then the natives, the, the narrative started changing because Jimbo Fisher fired back. And well, you're not supposed to do that. Because uh, Saban. Right. So I would think that, yeah, he wants to win, win decisively. And, um, you know, if I won 48 20, do I really need to score in the 50s and have people say, oh, yeah, you know, you're, you're doing all I need to do is in his mind is remind those guys that I'm recruiting against who's, who's boss. Now, if Jimbo can come out there and they can do some things differently offensively, and I'm sure they're going to have some new wrinkles. Um, but if you haven't been able to execute what you've been doing, what, you know, what confidence I'm going to have that you're going to execute the new wrinkles. But if you do, maybe he only has to keep it respectable to, uh, to kind of deflect some of that. Now, again, I don't know if he can or not. Uh, I understand. I understand the line and why it's what it is. Let me ask you this: Do you do 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 you think that Jimbo Fisher cares what we ask him? I'm not Jimbo. Nick Saban. Not at all. You really no. think you think Saban no. cares? No, I don't think about he cares. That no, I don't think he cares about anything. But he'll do that I, damn against us thing. I think it, he's really. I think he's really calculated in a lot of things he does. Everything. I believe that. I believe that. So I would think that. Uh, hey, I can win this game in his mind. I can win this game, you know, by three touchdowns or more and still look like a, a good guy and still not look like I'm a guy that was just out to, you know, try to rub your face in it because I don't I don't like what happened. Now, I'm only basing that on – I mean, he might very well go out and try to score 70 for all I know. Uh, but I'm just kind of – trying to get into his mind and think of, you know, how he might approach it if he has that opportunity. Um, I don't think opinions of either coach is going to change one iota. They scored 52 points. Unless Jimbo wins. The last time A&M was there. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just saying people expect them to score 52 or more. Yeah, I don't score 52 last time they were there. But last I looked, Alabama uh, A&M just got another five-star D lineman. So you're right, OB. It's always about recruiting, just like it's always about money when athletes and coaches say it's not about the money. Did you yeah. see how upset the folks in Oklahoma was about David Hicks choosing committing to A&M? Yeah. And they were angry. Um, oh, they're buying players. Everybody's buying players. Yes, they are. Just bring Oklahoma, a big. If you Oklahoma to, was buying players when when it was illegal. If you, <laughs> want, if you want David Hicks, bring hey, it's illegal bring, now. Bring a bigger <laughs> you know bag. I know. Before nil. Yeah. I know. Uh, anyway, getting back. It's not big enough. Hey, that's tough. That's tough. A&M's got a nice collective going there. They they know they what do have a nice so collective. It's so not like Texas. what it's not like what people are trying to make it out. You know, it's not like it's no different than what's going on in Columbus and what's going on in Tuscaloosa. And you know what? I'm telling you, NIL is one of the worst things that happened to, to guys like Nick Saban because yeah. instead of those, instead of getting those four or five stars, maybe they're only getting three, and that yeah, fourth guy. Fun is getting a bigger bag from somewhere else, see? And so he was able to just to flat out, I'll recruit everybody, but now everybody has a war chest. And maybe the war chest isn't big enough to get two five-stars, but it sure is big enough to get one. And well, first of all, they, they do have two five-stars. Mm-hmm. they got a five-star linebacker as well, mm-hmm. who will start from day one here because the linebacker play is not very good. Um, but uh, I don't know, we got, we got kind of sidetracked again, but yeah, but I wasn't talking about AM. I was talking about in general, OB. Oh. There are teams out there that used to couldn't didn't wasn't able to, to compete recruiting wise with Nick Saban, but they might be able to put their funds together and get that one guy. And his okay. fourth, the fourth the fourth bag from Alabama might not be as big as the number one bag from somewhere like a like a Nebraska, you know, or or somewhere like that. These these well, teams think, are starting I, to get players now because think, of money. I think it's true. You're you're right on because remember when all the things between Saban and Fisher started, it was because he was making some allegations, unfounded allegations, while talking to a group of businessmen. So he's he trying to get more money. To yes. What he was accusing A and M of doing. He it's was saying his, we got we got we got to compete with these guys. They're they're for real now. It's so not. Was. It's not good enough to. Charm and mom bad. and dad is not 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 the be all end all anymore. Anyway, charm so. mom and dad now, but mom and dad can get charmed by another coach who's got a bigger bag than you. I mean, that's just how it is. It's not a mystery. It's not a mystery. It's, it's America. all about it's America. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, look at Texas Tech. What are they paying each player? What was it? Fifty thousand said. I mean, every school can compete. It it. Doesn't level the playing field entirely, but it it's not tilted Alabama's direction as much. You're right, and A and M needs offensive linemen. So if I was in them, I would come up with something uh, and pay them all like fifty thousand dollars and give it a crazy uh, like a a nickname like Pancake. Pancake oh, that's already been done. Never mind. Yeah. Somebody should think of that. Somebody <laughs> should think of that. Do it again. Do it again. Anyway, I just think I don't know. Bottom line, I think Alabama. I mean, A and M's probably a year away, but. That year well, might be 2025, though, maybe. Okay, they're a year. All right, you say they're a year away, and that's fine. Except that, A, uh, I don't think they should have had to wait. I'm not saying they were going to win a championship, but I said it before the season. I'll say it now. Uh, anything less than 10 wins should have been considered a disappointment this year. And it's it's ridiculous that you lost to Appalachian State. It's unacceptable. And quite frankly, um, every time you go to Starkville, it's uh, – it's going to oh, be a, a oh. hard game, but you have more talent on that team sure. than Mississippi State did, other than at quarterback. And and Mike Leach just schemed the hell out of you, and they and their defense coordinator did a better job, and you got out coached, just like you did against Appalachian State. I'm going to be surprised if they get to eight wins. Quite frankly, right now, I mean, I was at at the Aggie Miami game, and I thought Miami was terrible, and they've since fallen apart. You know, Arkansas, arguably, most people would say should have beaten the Aggies. Cedric was there. I mean, Arkansas did everything possible to lose that game. Well, so. that's true. But let's, you know, look at both A&M had more than its share of screw-ups, too. There was a guy that they well, – You're making my case for me. 
<laughs> they also dropped a touchdown. They dropped a touchdown pass and they yeah. uh, missed the field goal. So, yeah. you know, as that, that was a pretty, that was a very competitive game. Sure. And A&M got lucky because the guy missed the field goal. And the long fumble return. Well, A&M dropped a touchdown pass. See, yeah. I mean, it goes back and forth. I'm going to tell you, that long fumble return was a play – was well, K.J. Jefferson at, at 200 pounds has no business diving. But I'm not going to fault um, – um, what was his name, Tariq Chappelle? Chappelle and then the, Monty the, Richardson, wasn't it? And Damani well, Richardson. Chappelle – Yeah, Chappelle it. got the ball and Richardson mm-hmm. went and grabbed it from him. That was just a hell of a play. And I uh, you, they made a play, and they took advantage of a mistake. So uh, I, I, I will give them credit for that. That More was a play. Right? That might be – that's a play you might not ever see again. But they made that play. They, and they had other play times. They had other times they moved the football, and they'd get a uh, so many penalties, a lot of them pre-snap penalties. And um, But, that, again, that they've been doing it all year. That's who they are. So unless they clean things up, and I mean clean it like like they were cleaning everything two years ago, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, clean it with the lights on everything, everything else. Sanitizer out. That's right. Unless they clean it to that degree, um, they may they may very well have a hard time getting uh, to eight wins. They may. Yeah. But, you know, one good thing, like, like you say, football's crazy. It's why we love it, you know. And it'd be really interesting. I mean, to me, Jalen Milrow, you know, maybe the starting quarterback for Alabama. I maybe, got it. You know, I mean, you don't know how bad his shoulder is. I, I mean, bet you – I bet we're going to see Bryce Young. Isn't that the same injury Quinn Ewers had? He's missed three games. I mean – I had a problem, but Quinn Ewers got hurt. I mean, he got hit. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Bryce Young got hit. Well, he didn't come back in the game. Just he didn't come back in the game. So. Well, I know. I well, know. You bring him back. They, they were they were not going to lose that game. You don't you don't no. you don't no, put them in harm's way as far up as they were. So, by I, the way, I think uh, Bryce Young's going to play. I don't know if you saw a lot of that Alabama Arkansas game. It's 28-23. Arkansas has the momentum. Alabama's looking at a third and fifteen. Did you see that play? Yeah. No. And uh, uh, pass rush is coming on Milrow. This one, he runs 77 yards. And the guy that's closest to him to make the tackle in the backfield, the uh, left tackle grabs the defensive end space mask and pulls him down by it. <laughs> yeah. And there's no flag. That's what you get to look forward to in a couple of years. Because in a they close game. Call. They get the call. Uh, they're go- they're going to get them all. Wow. And they're going to get them this week. Uh, it may not, may not be a close game. But uh, – You'll, you'll ask anybody at Auburn and LSU and and uh, uh, Arkansas, uh, oftentimes Georgia. That's just the way it is. Just like the old Bruce Hornsby song. That's the way it is. Some things never change. Hey, Texas is just worried about competing in the Big Twelve for now. <laughs> oh, are, are those Longhorns going to win the Big Twelve championship? Uh, I saw y'all talking to Jenny Carlson. I, I, I say everybody's got got them winning this week. Who? If yeah. they don't win this week against Oklahoma, Never like, beat them. this team, it's, this series can go one-sided for a while now. And they lost four in a row to OU. So, How yeah. fast are they going to turn on Brent Venables if they haven't already? They probably already have, you know. Defensive wizard and gives up 55 TCU. You know Oof. you know that song. So that isn't pretty. So I hope you survive in uh, Tuscaloosa, OB. Oh, I'm going to survive so. uh, one way or another. It's just uh, – <laughs> you know, I, I, you know what? I might be having to write a column up against a a, a deadline that I don't only give to myself, or I might be uh, able to start writing at the end of the first quarter. You know, who knows? Ooh, uh, I think, I think, I do think this. I really believe this. Uh, I think A and M will go out and play its best football game so far. I just don't know what that. Looks like it's Alabama. I think it's Alabama may play its best football game too. But here's the thing: they may, they may. That's why I say I don't know what that looks like. I thought they were going to get killed last year, and they didn't. And they didn't. Yeah, they were coming off two losses, but they were home. But they were home. Yeah. So there's nothing that I've seen that tells me that that they're going to be able to stop Alabama's running game. 
Yeah. And there's nothing that I've seen that says that they're, if, if Bryce Young is playing that, that they're going to put consistent pressure on him. Uh, I think they can cover in Alabama's receivers. Okay. But you know, for a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. They can. Uh, uh, But there's also nothing I've seen this year. Unlike last year that tells me that they're going to protect the quarterback and and, Mm -hmm. uh, with pass protection, because that's been a problem this year. Uh, Will Anderson did not get a sack against him last year. He he was held sackless twice by A&M once and by Georgia in the championship game. Those only two games he didn't have a sack. Uh, uh, I don't, I would be skeptical that A&M is going to pull that off again this year. I would too. <laughs> you know, I won't lie to you, right? No. I know. Oh, oh, we yeah, have it on. We love we truth. We appreciate it, my friend. We love truth. Have fun out there, and we'll chop it up again sometime soon, brother. All right. I'll be uh, I'll be tuned in to y'all's game as long as I can. Nice. <laughs> All right, OB. All right, Dave man. See you. Bye. Duck, what a great podcast all over Texas OU with Jenny Carlson, all over Texas A&M at Alabama with our guy Olin Buchanan. Wonderful conversations. We're going to be at it on statesman.com and hook'em.com. Check out that good content with from us and Danny Davis. That's going to do it for episode 275 of On Second Thought. For the Duck Kirk Bowls, I'm Seth Golden. We'll see you at the game. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.